there, folks, and welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. It is time for a new podcast series. That's right. We just finished our top 40 texts. A lot of fun with those. You can reference those. Uh, Revelation 7 was our last one. And so that kind of cued us up, along with a couple questions I received recently uh, about Revelation. Then also, I'm, I happen to be doing a, a little Bible study currently at a, at a local congregation on Revelation. And a lot of those things kind of converge to say, hey, Next podcast series, let's tackle Revelation, okay? Whoa, are you serious? Yeah, we're going to do it. And, uh, well, a couple things. One is uh, what a doozy of a book. A lot of symbolism, a lot of imagery. Actually, one of the most fascinating features just out of the gate here doesn't quote the Old Testament once, and yet at the same time it alludes to it all over the place. And so when it comes to New Testament books, I mean, I spend most of my time in the Old Testament, but when it comes to New Testament books, it's, hey, I'll, I'll try my hat at this. This is going to be, this is going to be fun. The other thing is I've been trying to, I've been thinking through a lot of uh, revelation. I'm going to introduce this text here. We'll do the first eight verses here for this podcast, but I've been trying to think a lot about uh, revelation in terms of how this would have been received for the present tense church, the church here right now. Revelation, I think it's common to kind of think of all this imagery and symbolism. It's stuff that's like way up there or way down there, as in like chronologically way down, end of the world stuff, or way up there, heavenly, out of kind of reach, as it were. And the more I study the book, I think I think it's a little more grounded than we think it is. I actually wrote an article or two in the latest e-bulletin about this. I think Revelation... This will be something I want to explore with you as we go along. I think Revelation is much more grounded than we think it is. And I think that groundedness, that grounding of Revelation in the church here right now is actually most deeply rooted in the context of the divine liturgy or the divine service. The liturgy, the Christian liturgy that's assumed uh, for the ages, for the church of all times and places. I think Revelation has several ways to ground itself in this in this present tense uh, divine service reality for the church. I'll talk more about that as we go along. Uh, but first things first, and that is we're going to, chapter one's a doozy. I'm going to split it in two parts. So this time uh, today, just it'll take a little while to introduce some things. So we're just going to focus on the first eight verses of Revelation. I'll read those, and then we'll jump in as follows. Should be a lot of fun. Revelation, Wow. They read as follows, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the thing that things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, 
priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Alrighty. So there we have the text of Revelation 1, just the first eight verses. few things to keep in mind here before we kind of set out on this study. I think there are three things really that need to, to always be kept in mind when you get into this business of Revelation. Kind of a doozy of a book, isn't it? Everybody kind of, oh, I don't know. Um, it sells money. It spells the commentaries, doesn't it? It brings in the money. Um, because it's, it really spices things up. If you're bored with doctrine, maybe Romans, uh, it's a little dry, but revelation, boy, we can always take com commentaries on revelation. That'll sell at the, at the print house. So a lot has been done with it. Um, it tells you a lot about an interpreter when you kind of watch how he or she goes through this thing. Um, revelation, I think three things very important and they're given to us in these first eight verses. One is what is this word revelation? It's actually, maybe you've heard of this, apocalypse. comes from a Greek word, apocalypsis, is the very first word. It's the only time it actually appears in the whole book of Revelation. Um, calypsis is to conceal or to, uh, to cover. And apo is a preposition to take from it or to... Uh, to, to remove that covering or the concealing of the thing, to reveal it, to uncover it. Um, this apocalypse, sometimes maybe you've heard of the term, it means unveiling or uncovering. And it's the very first word of the book in Greek, and it's the only time in the whole book that it's used. That's what we get revelation from, this uncovering, unveiling, or revealing revelation. Uh, that's important to know. Why? Well, unveiling doesn't mean that this stuff wasn't there and then God had like a end of the time. Well, you know what? I need to come up with something new and uh, make this stuff exist that wasn't existing. No, this is an unveiling of things that are. The eternal state, eternal spiritual realities, these things exist. It's just that we don't see them on the terms that maybe we'd like to. It's an unveiling of these things. They exist right now. They're just uncovered for John in particular ways. Okay, so present tense reality. It's not like it's a, you know, nothing of this, none of these things existed and then God just decided we need a little bit more for this Bible and I'll create some new stuff. These things exist and John gets an unveiling of them. I'll talk about more of that in a minute. The other thing you learn from this first eight verses, uh, blessed is the one who reads loud the words of this prophecy. So even though we have this unveiling present tense reality, we also have prophecy that it is, this is a word of God. You might see visions and symbolism and all these things, but these are ultimately um, God's speech, his word, prophecy. It, is, it means to speak for, pro is for and Pharaoh is to, is to say or to speak, to speak for, it's to speak God's word. It has to do with, uh, things that are yet to come, certainly, prophecy, down-the-road stuff, but you can't just lose the apocalyptic, the present tense stuff either, okay? And then here's the other thing. John to the seven churches, this is, an, this is also a letter. This is an epistle, okay? Um, this is for the church right here, right now. 
those three things are very important to keep in mind for Revelation as you get into this book. Apocalypse, as in revealing, unveiling, uncovering. Prophecy and also letter. The reason I said that's what makes Revelation really unlike any other book in the New Testament. Those three need to be held in a in a kind of an artful balance as you go throughout this. What does this have to do with present tense stuff, apocalypse? What does this have to do with word of God, um, culmination of things, okay, down the road prophecy? What does this have to do with the church right here, right now? Seven letters. So if you emphasize one at the expense of others, bad things happen. For example, let's say you love the prophecy thing, but you neglect the apocalypse and the letter thing. Well, then you start predicting the end of the world, and you think this is just like some timeline. End of the world is 1892 or whatever. You love the Revelation prophecy stuff. You treat it like a a timeline, a series of events on a timeline, one after the other, serial instead of cyclical. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, And then all of a sudden you end up making end of the world predictions, and you've forgotten how this is also an unveiling of stuff right now, a letter to the church right now, okay? Let's say you emphasize that epistle thing at the expense of the other stuff. Well, it's just letters to Asia, but good for them. It doesn't have anything to do with us. No, this is also a word that is pressing for its final fulfillment right here, right now. So prophecy, and then also right here, right now, unveiling of this eternal reality right here, right now. Okay, so you got to keep all three in mind. I think that's big for the character of what we're dealing with. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave... Now, this is a fascinating beginning, because literally it's Apocalypse Jesu Christu. Okay, Apocalypse Jesu Christu. Is this the revelation of Jesus Christ? Is this the revelation by means of Jesus Christ? And you come along and you say, yes. And that is, Jesus Christ is both the means and the content of revelation. He is the means or the agency whereby John receives this. He is also its very content. We will continually be asking ourselves throughout Revelation, what does this have to do with the person and work of Christ? Which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Holy moly, did you see that chain of command? Okay. Revelation of Jesus Christ, okay, so that's what we're dealing with, which God gave him, okay, so God gives this to Jesus. Jesus gives it, what, made known by sending his angel to the angel, uh, to his servant John, so that John could then send it to his, or show it to his servants. Okay, so do you see the chain of command? God, Jesus, angel, John, servants. Whoa! Why emphasize the chain of command right out of the gate? Verse 1. Here's why. First things first, Revelation loves to blend the earthly with the heavenly, loves to do this whole one church that lives on heaven and earth at the same time, loves to do this angelic uh, character of present tense churchly worship right now, ministry and worship, okay, We're already with the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven in the divine service. We're going to talk more about this as we go along. Already uh, the church's existence is caught up in this angelic, uh, Christ-centered reality. And so there is a kind of, to emphasize the chain of command, I think, first kind of 
uh, blurs the lines that we're, you know, God's way up there and we're down, way down there. This is God, Jesus, angel, John, servants. Um, we're going to blur the lines as we go throughout this book. And we're also going to see that this helps us to understand later on, for example, if an angel comes along who sounds and looks a lot like Christ, well, that's probably on purpose. If you, is this, you get these big debates. Is this Christ or an angel? And I think John would just smile. And that is, that angel's in the stead and by the command of Christ so much that, yeah, uh, you might get a sense of the angelic character of the office of the holy ministry, for example. Or you might get a sense of, um, yeah, the, the uh, in the stead and by the command aspect of things. You might get a sense of even these everything that happens in this book is a witness of some kind to the person and work of Christ, even if it is an angel that's doing something. It's all about Jesus. Uh, to show his servants, the th- later on the servants, that's the church. These are his uh, fellow believers. John is kind of, uh, what would we say? He is representative of the church so often in this book. I'm going to say more about that as we go along. I'm just trying to cue up a lot of things that we're going to, that this intro does for us that we'll tackle at more length later. John is representative of the church. He's, he's an evangelist. He's a, he's a pastor. He's called and ordained. And he's going to show this to his servants. So there is this kind of, this is meant to be shown, to be preached, to be proclaimed, to be read aloud. Okay. Uh, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Okay. This is meant to be read aloud, this book. It's meant to be heard. I suppose you could say Revelation is full of visions, so just paint pictures. Even though it is full of visions and there's a lot going on there, blessed is the one who reads this aloud. Still the emphasis on faith coming by hearing. And uh, again, that's another thing we'll say more about as we go along. John bears witness this uh, word of God and the testimony of Jesus, this martyria, this martyrdom of Jesus is going to be central uh, the witness of Jesus is the mart, literally the the martyrdom of Jesus, the martyrion of Jesus. To be a martyr, uh, John's going to bear witness to this word of God, logos, and also this witness of Jesus, whatever he saw. And I love that combo because the emphasis is on what the word of God, and then whatever he saw. Um, this is going to be big for the book of Revelation. The church needs to know this too. We live by what we hear. God gives a promise. We might not see um, everything that there is to see, but we will one day. And that emphasis, that word of, that order of operation is emphasized already in this in this second verse. The word of God and the witness of Jesus Christ. We'll see this. We'll talk about more as we go along, but also whatever he saw. Okay, and you might even say, what? The word first and the visual stuff, you might even say, this is the visual word, the word made flesh, the martyrion, the martyrdom of Jesus Christ, the witness of Jesus Christ is that word that you can see and uh, touch and uh, and even, even taste in the sacrament. Okay, so we're going to, oh, it's a rich intro, and uh, we're going to have more to say about that. We should take a quick break. Uh, But we will be back very soon. We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question. 
What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning, but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin, is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcasts, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast. Alrighty there, folks. We are back with our study of Revelation chapter 1. Just the intro verses here a little bit. There's just so much that I was thinking about this over the break. There's just so much that's queued up in these first few verses. It's going to be huge for the book. I talked about the apocalypse, the prophecy, the letter writing thing. Um, This martyrion, this martyr of Jesus Christ, the witness of Jesus Christ is going to be big. Uh, both the word and also what he sees. And uh, also this, blessed is the one who hears, the one hearing reads aloud the words of this prophecy and the one's keeping what's written in it for the time is near. Um, This is a matter of comfort, I think, for the church also. This Things that are happening quickly or the time is near. Again, that language itself sounds a lot like what? The preaching of... I don't know, John the Baptist, the preaching of Jesus, right? The kingdom of heaven is near, is at hand. That's the same language here. The time is near. The time is at hand. Um, we're talking about eternal stuff here, and yet this is breaking into the world. We're going to say more about that real soon. But, yeah, this is the time is near. This is very comforting for the church. Um, the ones keeping, that's another thing too, the the ones keeping this, what's written, we're going to see this a lot in chapters two and three, the church, the church is mentioned there, the seven churches are told often to, to keep this, to hold on to this, to hold on to the things that have been written, uh, in this book. And so that's, that's going to be big also for revelation that what's been, you might have visions, but yet this is to be read out loud and heard. Faith comes by hearing. Also, keep what's written in it, for the time is near. That's, I mean, that's something something about your life right here, right now, church of all ages. Um, you'll need to you'll need to keep hold fast to what's been. This is for you, not just for these seven churches here that are mentioned. Uh, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace. Notice what happened. We went from third person to second person, didn't we? Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophet. There's blessing tied to this book. And then now all of a sudden we have this grace to you and peace from him who is and was and who is to come. Um, so this is like a, what? 
almost like a sermon, you might say. Grace to you and peace sounds like a sermon. This is meant to be preached. Uh, this is meant. This is meant to be heard and kept. Uh, John seven. So one thing: why seven? We're going to learn these churches later a little bit, but why seven? Well, one way is. I mean, seven, it's representative. This is big for Revelation. Seven is all over the place. Representative of the of the church of all times and places. There might be seven, and we'll talk about this in a couple episodes, I guess, but you notice he plot these seven out. They serve, they kind of, they form sort of a semicircle, and it's like that's representative of the church, like sevenfoldness or the, the church of all times and all places. It's a comprehensive number, the seven, and um, and so the seven churches in Asia are yeah they're on the ground and they exist and you know time and space and all that, but yet uh, they stand for the church of all times and places. So this grace and peace to you from these words of revelation that's something that happens even now. Blessed is the one who reads us even now, and grace and peace to you even now. Uh, from the one who is and was and is to come. Now this is a fascinating. Of all the ways to describe, sounds like God, doesn't it? The one who is and was and is to come. Why emphasize the, what do you hear in that? The eternality of God. Um, what I love about this is the one who is and who was, these are, uh, the fancy word is ontological categories these emphasize being the one who is and the one who was and is to come this sounds like a what past present future kind of thing god is eternal okay that's nice what i love about this this is kind of a play on the burning bush god's revealed name ehir i share ehia i will be who i will be or i am who i am the divine name i am ego and me jesus says that takes it upon his own lips and everybody you know goes nuts this is a manifestation. This is a, a kind of, I don't know, amplification of the divine name given to Moses way back when. But the emphasis is on what? The one who is and who was and who is to come. So on the one hand, it's the one who is eternal. Sounds like a past, present, future thing. Okay. But also, what's the emphasis? Uh, the one who is to come. That this eternal one is breaking into the created realm, breaking into the world, eternity in the world, as it were, focused on his actions toward us. The one who is and who was, that just sounds like, okay, timeless or whatever, and who is to come, all right? Um, the one who comes on our behalf. That's You want to know his name? Um, the one who is and who was and who is to come. The one who is eternal yet comes toward the finite, breaks into the world for our benefit. Um, and from the seven spirits, which are before the throne of him, and from Jesus Christ, the martyr, the faithful one, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. What an intro. Sounds like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to me. This one who is and is to come. And seven spirits, we'll hear this quite a bit later on, seven spirits is a way to refer to the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit. Sevenfold spirit is an old school thing. Isaiah, the spirit of counsel and might and wisdom and understanding, the spirit of knowledge, fear of the Lord, this kind of sevenfold gifts. It's a perfect outpouring of the Spirit is the point there. 
Uh, it's not that seven spirits. I thought there was only one Holy Spirit. It's a way to say something about the Holy Spirit that is the fullness of the Spirit, the seven spirits. Uh, it's going to be big for the rest of the book. It also cues us up as readers for this is how Revelation is going to work. When you hear seven spirits, this is kind of a guide for how you read this thing. Um, we're going to speak about God in these particular ways, the one who is and was and is to come from the seven spirits, which are before the throne. Now, this is huge. Later on, we're going to see this heavenly throne room, chapters four and five. What else is before with that preposition, that exact preposition? What else is before the throne? Well, how about water? <laughs> Why is the spirit hanging out where the water is, right? Or the rainbow? Sounds pretty baptismal to me. I'll say more about that later. But okay, I know I'm doing a lot of this like stay tuned stuff, but that's kind of how it is. Um, and the spirit, and then from Jesus Christ, the witness. So the, again, the w- Greek word is martyr. To be a martyr ultimately is to be a witness. And the play on, or the martyrdom, like the clearest witness is ultimately the witness that gives up, goes, I mean, gives up life is, is the martyr. Um, so the martyr, this is big in Revelation. What is the martyria, the mar- what is the, the martyrdom that's happening? The witness. Jesus is here, the martyr, the faithful one, and the firstborn of the dead. So while we might be called to be witnesses, as in martyrs, and we're called to be faithful, we'll see this with the churches, and we're called to be, to have new life, Jesus is the martyr, the faithful one, and the firstborn of the dead. He goes before us and gives shape and meaning and definition to our role when we're told to witness and be faithful and have new life, okay? And the ruler of the kings of the earth, what I love about that, I mean, first thing mentioned is the martyr, then the faithful, then the firstborn, and then this, the ruler, which we too are going to participate in if we stay faithful to the martyr. All these terms I love because this is later on, this is all like, this is us too. We're going to be called to be faithful, witness, faithful, um, uh, new life, kind of be raised up, as it were, and then and then um, be faithful unto death. And you're going to rule with Christ. So he's the paradigm. He's the model. He's the ultimate. What's at the core of our identity right here? The witness, the faithful one, the firstborn, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Notice it's grounded, kings of the earth. I thought we we're just up in heaven. Kings of the earth. By the way, Revelation mentions earth a lot more than it mentions heaven. I might allude to that here and there as I mean just simple word count there's more there's more earth in revelation than heaven uh in strictly speaking with those terms okay to the one who loves us and uh has freed us and uh from our sins by his blood made us a kingdom priest to God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen um notice John switches to the us this is totally revelation Grace to you and peace, as in any hearing church. Okay, and then John is with us. To him who loved us, I'm with you in this. John is already indicating to us what kind of role he's going to play in Revelation. To him who freed us, I'm with you in this. Yes, I'm John, and it was given to me to give to the servants. But I'm also with you in this, and I'm big on this because when John, with our next podcast, when we studied John, his role, he's representative of the church, in so many ways in Revelation, I think it's been overlooked. John wants you to know right out of the gate, I think, by this language of first person 
sing uh, this uh, plural first person us. I'm with you in this in some sense, even though I've been separate, like I've, I've been given a special role here, but I'm also very much with you. And you have to keep both of those in mind in key, t- in key places throughout the book. Tim, who loved us and freed us. Um, and uh, what else? By his blood. So this is, this has to do with, we're going to keep this um, focus on the cross, sacrifice, blood, atonement, can't miss it throughout Revelation. Blood will be mentioned quite a bit. Um, and has made us a kingdom priests. Okay, now, kingdom and priests. Wait a second. Which one is it? It's a both and. Jesus has witness, faithful one. He's both ruler, he's king, and also our high priest. And he has made a kingdom of priests to God his Father. Okay, to him be glory and dominion. Amen. This is going to be huge for the book also, this priestly and kingly aspect of our life right now in Christ, the kingly and priestly aspect of Christ, uh, and the centrality of the cross with glory. Okay, the cross, this atonement, this blood stuff can't be separated from the glory stuff. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. It's tied together. Same thing with verse 7. Behold, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him, all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. There's a lot of uh, Daniel 7 in here, Zechariah 12, allusions to, you already see how Revelation is going to work, allusions to Old Testament books. But again, what's central here? The cross. Um, he's coming on the clouds. Uh, every eye will see him. Even whoever pierced him, that's only used, by the way, this word pierce in John 19 at the cross. They pierced his side like, there's some sense in which, um, what, we're all guilty of this. It's the cross that's central. Um, everybody will wail on account of him, but yet he is coming with the clouds. This crucified one lives and comes to his churches. That's going to be big as we go through Revelation. It's the crucified one that comes to be with his churches. The risen Christ comes to be with his churches. Um, I am, ego me, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and who was and the coming one, the Almighty. Sounds a lot like God. This is classic revelation. Guess what happens? I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. We talked earlier about this emphasis on the coming to us of this eternal one in time, in the world, and so on. And yet here's one thing I'll leave you with this, and that is this I am the Alpha and the Omega. sounds like God, right? Says the Lord God. It even says it. Says the Lord God. Okay, this sounds like God the Father. But the only other time that that happens, or you look at the end of the chapter, end of the book, chapter 22, verse 13, guess who says this? I am the Alpha and the Omega. It's Christ. And this is a very rich way that John kind of sort of backs you into this Trinitarian reality. And that is, um, wait, who is it? I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's what God says. Wait, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's what Christ says in chapter twenty-two, thirteen, And John just smiles. And that is, um, it's such a rich book, Trinitarian, with Trinitarian theology, this, he is one with God. And yet at the same time, John keeps up a kind of distinction. 
within the Godhead, okay? And uh, this is something we're just going to have to kind of track as we go along. It's very rich. But there is this Father, Son, Holy Spirit right out of the gate, and yet there is this oneness to God. And John has a very unique window into that reality as we go through Revelation. Um, Notice also, final point here, i got to let you go, and that is um, the one who is and was and is to come. Wait a second. He is coming in the clouds. Same verb, like the one who is and was to come. Twice mentioned here, verse 4 and verse 8, the one who is and was and is to come. Okay, how exactly are you coming to us? Well, verse 7, he is coming on the clouds. As in, my coming, the Lord God's coming, emphasized twice how he's coming, not just eternal, but coming. My coming will be in Christ crucified's coming to you to be with the church in word and sacrament throughout all times and places until I bring about the final consummation of all things. Whoa, lots of things queued up and I got to let you go, but that's kind of getting our bearings for a little bit for Revelation. We're in for a good time, aren't we? Stay tuned. We'll keep pressing on next time. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting the Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Until next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian German, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. 